It's an honor to be serving with uh, the servants in Orlando. And I want to just thank you for your support for the lovely project, as we just saw. It is a homegrown effort to get into the school system and place these foundational principles in their life. So I'm going to go ahead and get started here. We began a series this month on dreams. And I'm going to go a little bit quicker than normal because um, we always have to stay flexible. And I'm so thankful that Sheriff Demings was with us today. So Pastor Mark last week talked about the, that God is the dream giver. And we are to be the dream builders. And he began with, that, with establishing the foundation that to, to, to get a dream from God through his spirit, you begin with a plan. And I loved that. So I'm going to add to that teaching and say, with the plan, you need a team. We see throughout scripture that God, when he speaks a word, something that he wants to do in a family, in a city, in a nation, when he brings a word forth, he uses people. He uses servants. He uses people whose hearts are willing to listen and be obedient. And he always chooses a person. And we, as people that have been chosen by God, need to have a team. So I, I Googled dream team. And of course, the very first dream team, does anybody old enough here in the third service, they won't remember any of these people? <laughs> woo woo! Okay, this is the original dream team. And I won't embarrass myself by trying to say anything about these guys because I don't know enough about basketball to do that. But you all know who these people are. Okay, excellent. Dream, okay, I got the nerdiest picture I could find of these two. Who knows who these two are? Yes, Lucas and Spielberg. And they have made some incredible movies because of their teamwork. I love that. Kicking it old school here in Florida. Everyone knows Walt Disney. If someone here does not know Walt Disney, I will check your pulse to see if you're still alive and when your death certificate was signed because everyone knows who Walt Disney was. But how many of you know who Roy Disney was? Oh, not very many, yes. And for those of us that are on that um, visionary integrator team uh, framework, we know that with visionaries, you also need integrators, people that will make the dream happen, people that will put those nuts and bolts into place that will cause that dream to become a reality. And that's what Roy Disney was. He was the, the visionary to see Walt's dream come to pass. I love it. Walt Disney reminds me of someone's grandfather. He's so cute. Okay. Joan of Arc, we had to get a woman in there just because girls, we had to represent. But Joan had generals around her that helped her lead France to victory. Love that. Now, this is an unlikely thing, but for me, living in Florida, NASA and the, and the space race and all that kind of stuff, I love it because we normally just see or hear the names of the astronauts. You know, everyone knows Buzz Aldrin and Sally Wright and the names of the astronauts, but that wouldn't happen without an incredible team, hundreds and hundreds of people that got that rocket into space. You need a team. You need a team. Visionary team. There we go. And for me personally, I'm going to refer back to this couple, Congresswoman Hornet, Merita, and Peter. They have meant a lot to Pastor Mark, and I'll be missing them a little bit later on. So we understand from reading all through the Old Testament and the New Testament that God 
will bring a word forth. But to bring that word into flesh, he needs people and we need a team. Whenever God wants to bless your life, hear me. Whenever God wants to bless your life, he will use a person. That person will maybe provide a circumstance, but he will use a person. And he will bring someone into your life for the sole reason of blessing you, of elevating you to the place that God sees for you. And that's really hard for some of us to believe because people have hurt us. But I'm here this morning to share with you that to accomplish the dream that God has placed in your heart, you need relationships around you that will strengthen you and help that dream come forth. And so we're going to talk just a few moments about what the prototype for that kind of relationship looks like. We're going to deconstruct a relationship from the Old Testament with Elijah and Elisha. And we're going to use that to see what type of team, what type of relationship will give birth to the dreams that God has placed in your heart? So U6B2, you have to leave us. Because the team of nursery workers needs you. <laughs> the walk of shame out the back door. <laughs> we love you, Molly. Okay. <clears throat> All right. We're going to read a few verses, so bear with me. We'll try to get through this. It's a very interesting story. And whenever we read Old Testament stories, it's kind of like, what? Because it's so different from our experience today. And yet we know that God's word is truth. And we know that God's word does not return void. So there are some nuggets in this relationship that we're going to apply to ourselves today. So let's begin. When the Lord was about to take Elijah, he's an Old Testament prophet, up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha, don't you wish their names could have been a little bit more different than that? I've been twisting over my tongue all morning. On their way from Gilgal, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, replied Elisha. So shut up, he's basically saying. I don't understand that. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has now sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? I know. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jordan. Now, my guess is there weren't any overweight prophets back in the day because they're walking all over, the, all over the country. They're probably thin as reeds. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went out and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Right away, he had his answer. He didn't have to think. It wasn't, let me get back to you tomorrow. He said, let me have a double portion 
of your spirit. Elisha replied, you have asked, excuse me, Elijah said, you have asked a difficult thing. If you see me when I'm taken up from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire. I would love to have seen that. I would have been scared out of my mind, but I would love to have seen that. Chariots and horsemen of fire. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment, tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, struck the water with it. Where is now the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right, to the left, and he crossed over. Now, what in the world does this have to do with strengthening and finding and developing and maintaining relationships that are going to cause the dreams that God has birthed in your heart to come forth? Parent of child cues. <laughs> that nursery team is having a hard time this morning. Let's see if I can see who this is. Hey. <laughs> Okay, so let me pick a few points out of here and we'll apply them. The first thing about the relationships that we need to develop, maintain, nurture, is that they require you. This kind of relationship is different than just the friends you've had forever since high school, although it might include those people. But specifically for relationships, for you to build the team around you and to be in relationship with people that will help you get to the place God is calling you to go. It will require you to prove commitment and respect. Not just commitment, but commitment and respect. And I found that, I believe that because of these two things. Over and over again, Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives, and basically as long as you are living, I'm going where you're going. That speaks of deep commitment for you. Now, we know that these two men walked together in a mentoring relationship for about eight years before Elijah was taken. But he said over and over again, as long as you are alive, I am by your side. I'm going to be there. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to help you achieve what God has called you to achieve. And then Elijah said, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken? Let me inherit a double portion. Now, what he said after that, I've always kind of puzzled over. He said, well, you have asked me a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise not. And I used to think that it just meant if you happen to be standing here when God takes me, then you get a double portion. But I've come to understand that it means more than that. It talks about this very statement speaks of the commitment and the loyalty that Elijah knew needed to be present for Elisha to inherit a double portion, for him to receive that mantle of respect, that mantle of anointing, that mantle of miracles, the component of loyalty needed to be present, needed to be there. And then of respect, I love that. Um, let me just say that you cannot disrespect you cannot dishonor and you cannot disregard a relationship that you believe God has called you to. 
that if you want something from that relationship, I don't mean something like they're going to give you something, but if you believe that's a relationship that God has called, God has initiated, you need to honor and respect that relationship. And nowhere is this more evident than in the marriage team, the marriage relationship. Wives, we have to respect and honor and give regard to our husbands. Husbands, you need to honor and respect what God is doing in your wife and show regard for that. Nothing gets built on disrespect. Nothing good happens from dishonor. The very first pillar that you need to be looking for to find relationships that will cause the dream in you to thrive and to flourish is commitment and respect. I love that. Dream team relationship requires you to want the best for the other person. I got that from this, from this verse. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Think, well, how does that? To me, that speaks of elevation. Sometimes when you're walking arm in arm with someone, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's a teammate, whether it's a relationship that's new or whatever, that other person might be elevated over you. They might get the promotion. They might have the relationship that seems so close. They might have the child that has the full scholarship while you're working two jobs to put your child through school. And in those times, for that relationship not to be broken, what is our response? When our friends are being elevated, are getting the promotion, are getting, the sun is shining in their backyard. Our response is to bless. Our response is to speak good. Our response is not to be envious, competitive, jealous. The relationships that will take us where we want to go, where we need to go, where we feel like God is calling us to go, will be free from jealousy and free from envy. Because you know what? God's timetable is his timetable. And maybe this week or this month or this year, your friend is being elevated, is being prospered, is being blessed, and you're just watching from afar and thinking, what about me, God? They're not doing anything more than I'm doing. No. We bless. We thank God. We honor that person during that season because you know what? Our turn is coming. Our turn for blessing is coming. And we want to stay in right relationship, a relationship that is free from envy and jealousy and, and, and keeping score. Amen? That's hard to do. It's so easy for me to stand up here and say it. But yet, especially for husbands and wives, we see seasons where the husband is being elevated and he's having promotions and maybe we're home with the kids or maybe we're in a job that we feel like isn't. But we bless and we speak the best. Another one buys the dust. Another one buys the dust. <laughs> okay. I forgot this is being televised. I apologize, Pastor Peter. <laughs> Editing department will be busy this week. All right. A dream team relationship requires that you be actively engaged in something positive. Now, we could all just go home right now. Actively engaged in something positive. I remember when we first started the church about 30 years ago. I won't go back quite that far. My mind is creaking back those years. But in the beginning, we were homeschooling our four children. And I 
was firmly convinced that my place was to pray for my husband, which was a full-time job for those of you that know Pastor Mark, to keep him safe, to keep him out of trouble, to keep him, you know, not doing too many things at once. That was my full-time job. And remember how we started in the beginning and we said that when a dream gets birthed, it comes first with a word from God and then a person comes into your life. And we have to, of course, have the eyes to see that person, to hear that word. But so I was busy doing what I felt called to do, and I was called to do that. But I had felt for maybe a year before that a stirring in my heart that I was supposed to be doing not something different, but something more with my life. I felt like I had reached the point where I was now hiding behind my relationship with my children. I was excusing what God wanted to use me for by saying, well, no, I need to be home. No, I need to be and one day the Lord gave me a verse. It was as clear as I'm speaking to you now. And if you're used to hearing the Lord's voice, you know it's, it's, it's distinctive. It's not your own thoughts because usually it's the last thing you would ever ask yourself. But here's the verse. It came from Isaiah 45, started with verse 2. And it was written to King Cyrus, who was an ungodly king. But when the Lord gave me this verse, when he imprinted this verse on my heart, he put my name in there. Now, remember, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm homeschooling kids and being home and all that kind of stuff. And the verse came to me, I will go before you, Crystal. Well, that's good. Okay. And level mountains. Smash down gates of bronze. What? I don't need any gates smashed down. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. Cooking my meals, taking care of my babies. I'm going to level mountains before you. I'm going to smash down gates of bronze. I'm going to cut through bars of iron. And now he's got my attention. I'm thinking, what is, what's getting ready to happen? What? I don't even know. I'm going to give you treasures hidden in darkness. Secret riches and I think about lovely project all those treasures that are hidden behind generations of dysfunction hidden those treasures that are hidden buried deep in their heart and they have no way to draw that out because they have no example to follow and he began to to put this word in my heart saying he's going to do it He's going to go before me. He's going to open up the public school system. He's going to do it. I just have to be faithful to take that step. And I began to think, Lord, what are you, what are you getting ready to do? And I was a little bit fearful because this verse was at a level that I wasn't living. I, I didn't feel like I needed him to level any mountains or to crash through a gate or to break open a bar. I mean, I was just happy. And then Congresswoman Mirta came into my life and drug me kicking and screaming through the next phase that God had ordained that now is a dream planted in my heart. And he was preparing me to say all the things that she is showing you to do, forming teams of women, dispatching women teams throughout the city, gathering women to, to open their homes and open their hearts and open their pocketbooks and, and forming mentoring teams that will go into public schools and do these different things. God was preparing me for that and he was assuring me that he would go before me. He would do the heavy lifting. He would take care of the opposition if I would be faithful to just say yes and to 
align myself with the relationship that he was going to bring into my life very, very quickly. There will be a word and there will be a person if you have eyes to see what God wants to do. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He was plowing with 12 oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Now, do you know what that means? Can you get that picture in your mind? There's, there's 11 pairs of big old oxen. He is part of the 12th pair at the very end. So those of us that were raised on a farm, think about it for a moment. He is going forward and what is he, as the last one, as the last pair, what is he stepping in? Come on now, even if you've just been around horses, you know you gotta step very carefully. This man is walking through oxen poop. He is sweating. He is down and dirty and, the, and God sees him because he was working. He was doing something active. He was involved. He was doing something positive. So God said to Elijah, who at the time was feeling sorry for himself, he had just performed a huge miracle. He was depleted. He was worn out. He was depressed. God said, I want you to get up. I want you to go find Elisha, and I want you to anoint him because he's the one that will come after you. So he finds this young prophet who is actively working. Rarely, I'm going to read this because I don't want to paraphrase it. I've taken the time to write this down. People rarely want to get involved with someone who isn't making any progress in their life. We need to be busy about doing what we know for those dream team relationships to hook with us. We need to be busy doing something, busy about God's kingdom, busy building our business, busy, busy. All right. Dream team relationship requires you to give up to go up. This is a scary thought because we're comfortable. We know what we already know. We're moving in our gifting. We're moving in the things that make us happy. We already know this. But to take, go to a place that we don't know, gifting that we haven't developed yet, relationships that are new to us, but to find those people that are not yet perhaps in our life or perhaps they're there, maybe in the sitting in the same small group with you, maybe sitting across the side of the church with you, maybe in the business where you work, to, to begin to develop a relationship with those people, that means I have to change. I have to change my routine. I have to change different things. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, signifying, you are my successor. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. We see that over and over in the scripture, don't we? When Jesus called his disciples, he said, come on right now, come on. And says they dropped their nets right then and they followed him. There's a time to think and to consider the cost. And there's a time to move forward and to say, I accept, I accept, I accept what you want to do in my life. So Elijah said, go back. What have I done to you? Another strange so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he sent 
set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So when Elijah said, what have I done to you? He's basically saying, he's basically asking, do you want what you've always had? Which is represented by saying, let me go kiss my father and mother. Do you want to stay with what you already know? It's a choice. We all have a choice. We can say no. And we can say yes. Or do you want the possibility of what I have in store for you? That was what he was saying when he said, what have I done to you? Do you want what you don't have now? No guarantees. Come on with me. And we see what he did. He slaughtered. That was a lot of meat. 11 oxen. That was a lot of meat to slaughter. He roasted it all. He chopped up his plow. And he set off. That was him saying, I'm all in. I got nothing to go back to now. I've got no way to make money. That was my livelihood. I'm all in. I'm, and that's how scary sometimes it is for us to form a new relationship, to go to that next place, that next dream that God has placed in our heart. Let me just say really quickly before we finish up here. Some people have a hard time letting go of relationships. I'm not even saying, I'm not even talking about bad relationships. If you're in an abusive relationship, let it go and don't look back. Don't look back. But I'm talking about relationships that aren't bad. They're fun. They're, they're fulfilling. We've had a great time. It's been a fun ride. But you know, you and I have limited energy, right? Limited resources, right? There is an end to the resources that we have. There is an end to the time that we have. And so if we want to go to this next place, we're talking about dreams this month. If we want to go to that next place that God has given us a word for, we have to be purposeful about having relationships that will take us to that next place. Now, this isn't a, a seeking or a striving. This is the reality that you only have so much time. You only have so much energy. And if you're spending every night, every weekend, every so often with friends that will not help you get to the place that you know you've been called to go, that's when you need to say, do I want what I've always known? Am I okay with what I've always known? Or do, Lord, will you help me link with relationships. Will you help me? This might even be most probably people you already know, but they're ready to take you to that next place. It's very difficult. Now, we just, I'll briefly mention this. They talked about four places in the Bible, and those four places represent something to us today. Gilgal, that was the first place that, that he was leaving, and he, he said, I've got to go there, and you stay here. And he's like, no. Do you remember what Gilgal was, what it represented? When Joshua, they, in, they went into the promised land, and God said, you know, don't go any further, or don't go in until they've all been, what's the word? Circumcised. All you guys are like, Neh. Okay. So if you were over a certain age, and you hadn't been circumcised that was the place where they took the blade the knife and they did the deed so this represents to us the blade of truth and honesty 
is a part of these kinds of relationships. Now, not the surfacey ones, the surfacey relationships. You can just go, oh, you look fine. Oh, that was fine that you did that. Oh, don't worry about it. And you know you never get any deeper with that relationship. This relationship that will bring the dream out, that will help you go further in the dream, requires honesty, honesty, and truthfulness. That's what it represents. The next place they went was Bethel. Bethel in the Bible always represents prayer and worship. And to maintain a relationship that's going to take us to the dream, take you to your dream, man, there's going to be a lot of praying because there's going to be a lot of misunderstanding. If, if we're really saying truth and honesty, ouch, ouch. Whether you're saying it or receiving it, ouch, requires prayer, worship. Then they went to Jericho, and Jericho, of course, it was a fortified city. Most of us are familiar with Jericho. It represents... Uh, um, fortification and defenses and wall defenses. And when they went to Jericho, that speaks to us of letting our defenses down in these relationships. Not every relationship. You don't have to be vulnerable and open with every, but the ones that you say, this person and I together are going to make this happen. You need to let your defenses down with that person. That's really difficult. Last one the Jordan River. Remember they said they ended up at the Jordan? And y'all will stand with me, please. We're going to do something at the end. The Jordan River flowed into the Dead Sea. And as if you might recall from geography, the Dead Sea is a, a body of water that nothing grows in the Dead Sea, hence the name, the Dead Sea. Uh, no vegetation, no sea life, everything that flows into it that's alive dies. And this makes us think that in a relationship that will take us to the dream, that God has planted in our heart, we are going to have to die to self. Just hearing the truth spoken sometimes just makes something inside you just collapse. And if we're not committed, if we're not committed to that relationship, not committed to the dream that God has placed in our heart, that's going to be, that's it. We check out. These are things that God is saying. These have to be in place for that relationship to stand the test of time. If you'll take a quick snap of this for your small groups, we're going to end with something a little bit different. Um, Phil, I'll let you go ahead. We're talking about dreams. Some of you in this service are too young to remember this, and I will deny I've played Aerosmith in our service, but play it up, Phil. That's not it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Northwest. There goes Stephen Tyler. Okay, now you will forget that I played that here, but I had to hear Steven Tyler scream that out. How many of y'all remember Dream On from Aerosmith? Okay, in the third service, those hands will be noticeably down because the third service is all of our college and high school students. So God bless you. All right, Northwest, dream on. Dream, dream. I pray, I speak over you that the dreams that God has placed in your heart, the dreams for your marriage, 
the dreams for your partnerships, the dreams to see this city change. Father, I pray for Sheriff Demings, for the dreams that are in his heart. Father, I pray that there will be a team around him that will be committed, a team around him that will be respectful, a team around him that will not be discouraged, but will continue to fight the good fight of justice for our city. We ask for a blessing on his life, Father, a blessing on his marriage, a blessing on his family. God, you know that this city needs you. This city needs justice. This city needs mercy. And Father, we pray for those that are standing in the gap, for those that have no hearing, for those that have no ability to provide justice. So Father, I bless this man in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the team that surrounds him will be a fortified wall of protection around him and his wife and his family. Lord, I pray for the families and the marriages in this church. I pray for your favor that as we dream, we will walk in your blessing and favor and you will level the mountains and you will smash through the gates of every opposition and you will crash through the bars that have erected themselves against your truth in this city. We pray that in the name of Jesus for the purpose of God to see this city have peace and prosperity in Jesus' name. Dream on, Northwest!